it's International Women's Day, so for our uh-huh. our our women listeners, people who identify as women, and uh, to our women guests currently on the show and previous women guests, shout out to y'all. Every day, it's International Women's Day. Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Megan Sterling and Megan Sotilli are our guests this week. The Megans. Greetings, Megan and Megan. (laughs) The double dose. This is our first time having... Oh, no, no. We've had had a pair of people on. We've had a couple on before. We have. Nice. Yes. Neither of them named, named Megan. And definitely not both of them named Megan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so stay frosty, listeners. <laughs> You're going to have to stay on your toes for this one. Um, my name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his, gender pronoun. I run the Exoskeleton Art Space in Los Angeles and host our openings and events there. And I am a user experience designer in L.A. Uh, my name's Taylor Hokinson. I am a he, his kind of guy. noted tall person, artist, educator, and... DIY engineering evangelist based in Chicago. We're both pointing at each other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, you could introduce Megan's... each other. Oh, okay. So I'm going to introduce Megan Marie Satilli. Uh, she, hers, pronouns of the short type. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to introduce Megan Marie Sterling <laughs> of the she and hers. Uh, Medium height. Medium height. <laughs> Bird muffins. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was hoping bird muffins would come up. <laughs> there it's going to come up a lot tonight. Could you, yes, could you guys tell us about what is the origin of bird muffins? I'm curious about would... that, yes. Um, it was a misunderstanding. Do you, well, do you know who Alex Chitty is by any chance? She's, a, she's an amazing human. I went to grad school with her and then she was uh, teaching at Columbia for a while. She's, she's a big, big time artist now she's she's really awesome she's teaching at columbia and we were uh, joking around about my amazing strength and uh somehow bird muffins came up and we laughed hysterically for a while but it, is yeah. this a way of describing your arms am i my amazing <laughs> biceps which you will soon see <laughs> oh. oh hey um if that's the also, only hint you get tonight it also just occurred to me um Megan Sterling, you um, you have a connection to NEIU, right? Yeah. Because oh. that's where Rob, Rob went to school. I'm curious if you guys overlapped, although Megan, I think we're a little bit older than you, so maybe not. I think so. Oh, no, I was teaching there somewhat recently. Oh, cool. Uh, last few years, yeah. In the, oh in the planning department. Uh, I'm trying to remember what year it is, which is why I'm stuttering. I don't remember when I started. Like 2014. Rob, did you leave any kind of secrets behind that Megan may have encountered? Make any permanent marks on the building? Yeah, is the sculpture room still there? Like yes. the sculpture, like the sort of large kind of wood shop and other stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> hmm. did, did you leave something in the in the like ventilation room? There might <laughs> be something in there. I have to think about it. That was like my. I spent most of my waking hours there. So yeah, um, cool. Um, hmm, I'll think on that one. Uh, I, I do have a question for you before we get into the real good questions. Megan Sterling, you often just go by Sterling. Is that, is that right? Uh, it worked. That definitely seems to happen. When I started there, uh, there was one, two, at least two or three other Megans. Oh, yeah, we get a ton. We, we have a, there's an embarrassment of Megans. Yeah. <laughs> do, you do you feel comfortable being called Sterling on this podcast? Yes, yes. Okay, cool. I'm very used that, to it. Be good. Okay, cool. And then... Megan, so Tilly, do you have a name you'd like to be called? Uh, I mean, people at work usually call me Mego. <laughs> cool. <clears throat> I just wanted to make sure um, we called you by the things you wanted to be called. And also differentiated you both because, you know, it's a nice thing to do. Convenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Megan. Megan. You just lean on, the, lean on the H and the three N's for Megan. So <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Taylor. Indeed. Uh, Megan, <laughs> um, do either do either of y'all want to like introduce yourself like uh, to listeners? Do you want to say anything about what you do, 
Yeah, what are you guys about? Yeah. Um, I'll go first because I'm getting the hairy eyeball over here. Um, so this is Sterling. <laughs> Um, I am originally from Idaho. I grew up in a small-ish town um, in the northwest in Idaho and went to Boise State University for my undergrad and got a BFA in fine arts, um, or fine arts, studio arts and printmaking. And then I came to Chicago in 2005 to go to grad school at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and, and uh, did studio arts, but I was in the print media department. Um, and then... Like, I guess shortly after starting there, I um, started out adjunct teaching, but then quickly got a full-time teaching position there and was there for about five, over five years. Um, and it's a long story, but I ended up leaving. And Taylor is probably more familiar because Columbia ended up absorbing Harrington. Um, and then came back to Chicago and for a while was working adjunct teaching at a bunch of different schools ranging from Chicago State to Northeastern Illinois University. Um, where else was I at? I was working part-time at Columbia. Um, and then also since I was in grad school, I started out as an intern at the Chicago Printmakers Collaborative and then kind of stayed on and started teaching there. Um, and then eventually kind of moved up and became the assistant director and so I've been helping, I've been working at that space for 12 years now, um, going on 13 actually. And so I help run that space, which is a print space in Lincoln Square. Um, and I teach classes there. And then I was also, I was doing a lot of things. I taught at Little Street for a while. Um, I taught at Inker Graphics for a while, which is actually how I became acquainted with Columbia. Oh man, and this... This list of things that you do yeah. taking me to flap sweats. Yeah, yeah I know. Like, so I much. Had, like started teaching at Evanston Art Center and became the studio coordinator there and helped kind of move the print shop and redesign and rebuild the facilities there into a new space. So I did a bunch of different like mashing together of gigs until um, I got the full time position at Columbia College about a year ago as the printmaking facility manager. So, and actually there's more things to that list that I won't go on about, but then when I got the full-time thing at Columbia, um, I scaled down most things and have stayed on at Chicago Printmakers and teaching one class at Evanston Art Center, um, which I'll probably phase out here pretty soon and just, and just do the Chicago Printmakers in Columbia. Cool. So, turn it down. So, so Tilly, speaking of working places, you, you've told me very briefly that you worked with Harley bikers and I like to picture you <laughs> with like a red bandana tied around one of your arms. It says mega uh, on the back of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Like with a fringe jacket. It, am I right about all of these things? And please you're say yes. You're close. Yeah, you're okay. close. So what, um, what was well, the brief is the right answer though. My uh, work thing is not as <laughs> long as Matt Sterling's over here. Um, but, uh, I grew up in a really small town in Illinois called Dehinda. <laughs> um, but yeah, my school there was preschool, 12th grade, didn't move. And then I decided to move across country and go to ASU, um, Arizona State University. And I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts in metalsmithing. And then I also got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Art Education. Um, so I was able to get those two degrees within my four years. And then after I graduated, I got a residency, an artist residency at Little Street Art Center as the metalsmithing resident there. And so I was doing that, um, just working on my body of work and teaching classes. And then once my residency was up, I moved back to Arizona and I got a job as a bench jeweler, uh, making high-end motorcycle jewelry. Um, so I yes. did that for a little bit. Um, just don't yada yada that job though, man. We, I have to know what <laughs> bench bench jeweling. What, what, bench what, what is motorcycle jewelry? Is it just jewelry it's that looks like motorcycles? And Florida Lee and Maltese yeah. crosses and Native yeah. American like chief heads, like so. Yeah, um, appropriating imagery from other cultures. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it did a lot of skulls <laughs> and a lot of Maltese crosses. Is it, is it custom? Like, do people ask you for for a design, like a tattoo artist? or? or? I guess some of it. Um, it's, you know, a family-owned business in Arizona, um, and they had one, like, 
maker space, I guess you can say, and then two storefronts. Um, so there was just like 12 of us back in the little sweatshop, you know, pumping out this stuff. Um, but they had two designers on site that would design everything and they would, um, 3d print everything in wax and then invest it, cast it. And then we would get the raw castings and be in charge of doing all the cleanup work, sizing, stone setting, um, finishing and everything like that for it to go to the storefront. Wow. That's, that seems so exotic to me, Rob. I don't know. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, do you find that certain aspects of that bleed over into your current work or is it like, are you allergic to certain things like a, like a Maltese boss at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I definitely don't uh, use any of that style, but as far as techniques and yeah. finishing work, um, yeah, I've definitely adapted that over into my own work because um, in college I never, as a metalsmith, you know, people always assume jewelry or swords yeah. um, and I don't yeah. make really either. So uh um, I have adapted some of those finishing techniques or just sealant and stuff like that. Things that I learned as a bench jeweler that I didn't really learn in undergrad. Um, but it, other than that, it hasn't really influenced my work itself. So do you, do you ever see like really tacky skull jewelry, <laughs> but then, absolutely. <laughs> well, of course, but then can, can you look at it with a sort of critical eye because, I mean, all of us can write off tacky skull jewelry never having made it. But do you look at it and say, like, well, that, that is a really nice mandible. Or, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, like, do, you, do you critique it in a more thoughtful way because of your experiences? Um, honestly, I didn't really like that job too much. So I don't yeah. really think about that time. Um, Behind so you. I don't really... Got it. Yeah, it's it's done. Um, after that, I just worked a couple of part-time jobs, uh, just retail, cancer center. Um, and then I moved back to Chicago once I got the gig at Columbia. Um, and then I went back to teaching part-time at Little Street. Um, so, yeah, it'll be two years in April since I've been back. Cool. So y'all are on the podcast together. Yeah. 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 And I was curious about how that... I, I got a message from Taylor that says, hey, I have a really cool guest situation happening. And I was like, oh, cool, what's up? And he articulated that you both were interested and that you wanted to come on the podcast together. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I learned, um, I think, that you don't actually that commonly collaborate together. So I was curious about how the collaboration sort of came together uh, for this. Uh, well, Taylor's been bugging us both. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then uh, Megan and I were talking separately and being like, oh, do you want to do this? We're like, oh, I don't know. It's like, let's do it together. Because Taylor always gives us a hard time. <laughs> well, backing up a little bit, though, actually, even maybe prior to Taylor asking us this, we had talked about collaborating because True. I don't know if it's really come up too much other than I said I'm a printmaker and she said she's a metalsmith. Yeah. There's a commonality there. Um, printmaking actually is like an umbrella term for anything that you can create multiples from. Right. And so there's a lot of processes within that. Uh, one process in particular is intaglio, a, um, a process that traditionally uses metal. Um, so there's this crossover where we kind of nerded out together um, because in etching, um, I use copper or will etch a zinc um, and things like that. And I will kind of make these flat 2D images. Um, and I actually have learned a lot from her previously in an application or a material that she uses to etch that I didn't know about. So we've, uh, I actually invited her to a super nerdy printmaking group called the Chicago Printers Guild um, and had her do like a demo for it. So we've kind of like overlapped a little. So we recently kind of started talking about like, hey, we should collaborate. Um, and then persistent Taylor came in. I kept seeing you guys in the hallway. And at least one time I was demanding that you come on the podcast when you were on your way to the bathroom. And so for that, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Taylor, for being so. So, so persistent. Uh, yeah, tenacious. So yeah, tenacious and unprofessional. Absolutely. <laughs> should we? Uh, should we dive into sound? Yeah, let's totally do it. So, Rob, did you say you were going to go first this time? Man, I got to call it Intaglio from now on. 
As opposed to Intaglia? I was calling it Intaglia. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I feel schooled in, in a good way. Uh, inside the zip should be a folder named Rob, and there should be nine images and an MOV. And, um... Okay. Yeah. And oh, wait, this is what, that's what you named it last time, too. Hang on, let me see how I can sorry. find this. Date soundtrack. Oh, yeah, okay, I got it, I got yeah, it. Cool. Oh, so I will say this before we start. Nudity is uh-huh. our challenge this episode, so just want to yes. yeah, introduce that. And then that was, um, that was offered by Cedric of the last episode. That's right. Okay, so Megan's let's let's pull up these images. Um, why don't I start talking about the first one, and then if you guys want to go back and forth with me, we can get down to the movie. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay, cool. So I'm looking at uh, 01.jpg, and I see a self-healing cutting board. Uh, it looks like some kind of... Um, it's the New York Times style magazine. It looks like a really old one, um, <clears throat> although maybe they're just adopting that style. And then it looks like you've cut out a, a Prada ad um, and folded up into eight sections, but I'm not sure what you're going to do with it yet. Yep. Okay, Okay. Megan's. Megan's deploy. Okay. <laughs> so next shot, um, I believe this is Rob's hand. Um, the said folded Prada ad has been folded over, and uh, we're seeing, I believe, the other side of it, and there's a very colorful spectrum of... Uh, now a figure, a model, I would yep. say, split in two. The top half of a uh, very wild hairdo, and then it's with a red background, reddish yep. sky. It's, it's um, Biebs, dude. It's Biebs. Oh, is it? <gasps> no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now, because it was Biebs. index finger. Yeah, you can see it's the Biebs. Yeah. This is, oh, this is good. <clears throat> this is why you're here. Oh, jeez. I'm so not into pop culture. Okay. And so Beeb's lower half, which is more of a yellowish, I'm yellowish background. Yep. At this point. Wait, this isn't still Bieber, is it? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So now we got so. the, <laughs> the middle section the of what of possibly is Bieb still. Yep. With some yeah. Calvin Klein's on. Yeah. Is that what's happening? Mm-hmm. Same thing. <laughs> right? Nice, nice little six pack and a tattoo. Tat. Not a tramp stamp though. A, a bare belly. All I can see is his underoos. I think anything on Bieber would be a tram stamp, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> like, like even a, like a particle physics diagram or something would be a, a Bieber <laughs> tram stamp. Uh, so if I'm looking at image number four. So we're continuing to fold this thing up. And now it's got a... Um, I think it's folded into eighths at this point, And it's sort of changing the composition each time. So now we get his massive hairless chest... And uh, the world uh, word uh, Calvin Klein at the lower right. And his uh, very seductive lips. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. a what kind of cross is a that cross? on his chest? Just yeah. a Christian cross. A Christian cross. Yeah, so let, let, let's ask Tilly, the uh, the cross master over there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like how many Harleys is that cross on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's on none. That's definitely oh. a Christian cross. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, you know, what makes a Maltese cross? Is that just the fact that it's they all the, the arms are the same? Yeah, length? the four equal segments. Yeah, where usually the Christian crosses, the bottom one is extended further. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Who's who's on five? Uh, so it appears it has been opened back up, and we're seeing a similar view to the first one, uh, the backside of the Prada ad, and uh, there is now a uh, from the center. In the second segment, there is a diamond shape cut out. We are seeing the cutting device laying on top of it, so we know what cut this. That is a way cool little uh, box cutter there, man. Super fancy. Thanks, yeah. It's like a... It's only like nine nine bucks, yeah. And what's nice about it is, like, you can... I've lost some pocket knives at the airport because it's the airport. And uh, with this knife, you can just pop the blade out and throw it away if you're glad you're at the airport. Because it just uses a utility knife blade. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Gerber makes it. Yeah. Also, I'm not good at sharpening knives, so I can just throw the blade away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then how about image six? So, Tilly, what do you got? Uh, the bottom eighth of it is folded up, so we're seeing the yellow 
bottom part of that page. And then the outside edges look like they've been scored and folded over. Um, not very much of it, though, but you can see that the second segment down is still extended out um, from the top and the, I don't know, the third section down. It looks like we're uh, possibly going to see some type of object created out of this, like an a box. Are we going to make a box? A box? Yeah, like, like tabs, blue oh, tabs. Uh, in image seven, now the, the tape is coming into place, so it's starting to resolve a little bit, uh, but I still can't quite tell what the object is. Ah, but image eight kind of tells it. Mm -hmm. I see, uh, see all the, all the greenbacks that you're going to purchase your uh, Calvin Klein and product. <laughs> commodities with <laughs> so was so, this like but, a making it rain wallet or something <laughs> man rub wait way to show off all that dough that's the bucks <laughs> yeah Woo. so i spent some time thinking about nudity and <clears throat> was <laughs> having <laughs> was having some trouble Which with Taylor it just intrinsically enjoys because <laughs> know that rob is a little squeamish about nudity <laughs> Oh wait, did did I say that I thought of you as taking showers fully clothed? Was yes. that, yeah. that the, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I know that I know that you you are not a fan of PDA, which is different from nudity. But but I've seen I've seen your partner smooch you uh vigorously and, and you be uh you be embarrassed by this thing. <laughs> was it was I reading that wrong? <laughs> That's probably right. I mean, I'm I'm just I have like a like subtle PDA. I'm down with this, and I'm into other PDA, but just not. It wouldn't be my natural inclination. Is so is hand holding okay? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So I I want to know where the line is, man. Like it, like are we talking about like dry pecs? (laughs) Okay. Okay, Reb, carry on. Uh, (laughs) So um. So anyway, so so I was thinking about nudity and I was like, I got onto this thing where I was like, is nudity even a thing that, is it, to, is it gendered? Like, is it like a gendered word? You know, like, mm-hmm. like, is nudity created by like the male gaze, right? <laughs> like, is it, is it, is it a thing that's like put upon other people through men, you know? Um, and because I otherwise it's just a, a neutral state. Yeah. Otherwise it's naked, right? Like. Like, I feel like nudity has this sort of social load to it as a word <clears throat> um, that is different from nakedness, you know? Sure. Um, so, and so, but I couldn't figure it out. And then I didn't feel like equipped. Um, like, I, I haven't done enough thinking about it to sort of articulate something interesting or to sort of say something about that. Um, but <clears throat> I take the train halfway to work and then my bike goes the way to work. And I realized that the sort of nudity I'm most often exposed to is this guy who commonly gets on my train who, <laughs> who, who wears just, just really just like a comforter, like a quilt. <laughs> and, and, and which neighborhood is this in, Rep? This would be, he gets on, he gets on. Pasadena? So, yeah, he gets on in South Pass, which is actually a kind of nice neighborhood, which is part of it in a way, right? Um, and I have seen him get, and so he's not, I mean, when you think about someone who, who's, who's sort of doing that often, and, and I believe, I believe he has a, a sort of some issues with mental illness and stuff, you know, um, and he, and he certainly expresses certain things like that that make me think that, um, and he's not super good at covering himself up and people get kind of rattled by it, you know, um, and so I was like, damn, like that's, that's, that's an interesting thing that I experienced. And that sort of like em- embodies this word nudity in this way that I thought was really interesting. And so then I was like, um, and occasionally like I, I give him money and, and if he, cause occasionally he asks. And, and then I was like, I, I should, I should think about this, this, I should like, in order, I was, so I was trying to like unpack nudity and being like, okay. Like, typically nudity is this sort of gendered fashion-y kind of thing. And so I have this collection of uh, New York Times, like, uh, they have, like, this fashion 
magazine that is in the New York Times newspaper. And once a year, right? Or is it every time? It's pretty frequent. I don't, I don't know. It's I have a bunch of them because I collect them because they make me so mad. But um, <laughs> <laughs> they're like horrible. And what you realize uh, digging through it is every once in a while they have a men's style guide, which is what this one is. And that mm-hmm. one is full of dudes. And all those dudes are nearly fully entirely clothed like yeah. the whole time. Um, because men's fashion, for some reason, happens to be about wearing lots of things. And somehow women's fashion is about wearing often almost nothing. And so, so especially in the world of like handbags and accessories and stuff, like if a woman wears a watch, she's wearing nothing else but the watch. But if a guy's wearing a watch, he's wearing like a three piece suit and a coat and a hat and the watch. Right. So, so, um, I found this picture of Justin Bieber who, who is nearly naked. And I was like, I'm going to make a giving wallet, which is an idea that I've had for a long time. Um, (laughs) that is a wallet about giving money away not holding money in it and um, because I I don't sort of always have the intentionality that I want to have around giving people who need money money and so Mm -hmm. I was like I'm going to make a wallet that's like a special device for me to hold like small amounts of money in and and it's also like a way like I can sort of fill it and then be like okay I've got this money to give to people now it's just a thing I can do. Like, it's just like all built in, you know, to my life. So is it to comfort comforter man that you're pulling money from Justin Bieber? (laughs) Does the giving wallet change or otherwise benefit from its connection to your, um, feelings about, or investigations of nudity or was it only sort of a leaping off point because, one of the primary recipients of the wallet is comforter. Man. Right. I mean, I, I benefit, I guess is how I think about it. Um, because I, so like I enjoy, for instance, like I used to work in Santa Monica and I would really like going to Santa Monica cause it's such an awful place. Um, mm-hmm. and so I like sort of having totems or landscape of places that I find, uh, off putting or uncomfortable, like especially around like kind of opulence and stuff. And so, as a way to kind of keep me thinking about that. Um, and so this to me was sort of a portable version of having to go to Santa Monica every day. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's take a look at our, our Megan's Twain. So the first image is a sort of wall hung sculpture. I'm not sure quite sure the size, but it feels like <clears throat> the blue oval sort of backing <clears throat> or sort of maybe but it's on a wall, I'm not sure what that is. Um is maybe a foot and a half wide or something. That's just like my gut feeling. Uh but I don't I'm not exactly sure how big it is. Um and it's um an oval, uh like more Horizontally oriented, they're vertically oriented. Oh, oh, oh! oh. <laughs> so it's really helpful to look at all four. I think I when uh, okay discussing this. Okay, so the second image is what I thought was a foot and a half is being held in one person's hand. <laughs> so it's maybe <laughs> six <laughs> six inches wide or something roughly. Um, uh-huh. Huh. Huh. It's so okay, interesting. So um it is a sculptural object and it has sort of two sides. Uh in one so but one of the sides seem to sort of have sort of hold the dominant kind of visual components, which is a set of arms outreached that are sort of silhouetted in uh, some sort of metal, maybe steel or aluminum. And then there's another set of arms on top that have more etching and sort of more <clears throat> surface detail and shadow and mm-hmm. shade. And those arms are similarly almost parallel arch outstretched to the shadow arms, but um, with fingers crossed. So the arms are bent at the elbow and sort of in almost like how you might put your elbows on the dinner table and fold your fingers together. Mm-hmm. And um, the two pair of arms are originating from the same shoulder position. Yeah. Right. Right. So they're sort of, uh, they have a kind of anchor point at the shoulder they share. And then on the back, there's a secret 
pair of arms that matches the shadow arms, but definitely seems like an etching um, are scored into the metal plate. Intaglio, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Below the surface. What is it? What is, what is that? Pro- if I don't know if it's relevant to this piece, but if it is, I, I'm curious, like what that process is. If it's not relevant, you can just skip it. <laughs> Talio, which is, uh, if you were to say it phonetically, comes out as intaglio. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's an Italian word, so yeah, the G is silent. Um, uh, so it means, I think, like below this. I don't know the exact uh, sure. Italian translation because uh-huh. I am not Italian, but it usually means like below the surface or inscribed or something like that. Um, so that's one of the printmaking processes where you like somehow either scribe or etch into the surface. Um, and then in printmaking, you um, push ink into those grooves and then wipe the surface clean. And then you put uh, a very dampen malleable cotton fiber paper over it and you run it through high pressure through a press and it pushes that uh, malleable paper into the grooves and it picks up oh, the ink okay so you can make multiple impressions from the copper mm-hmm. so the tiny groove holds the ink and then the the paper sort of sponges it up from that mm-hmm. groove is that mm-hmm. is that a, is yeah okay yeah. but in this case they're using those printmaking techniques in order to create um, a singular object. So yeah. here, the normally the plate would be used to manufacture a run of images, but here the plate is the um, the product. So, like, this is kind of how Starley and I started talking when I f- was at Columbia, was because in metalsmithing, I do a lot of etching, but I do it for the purpose of keeping the metal with the etching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I've taught you this, I showed you, Taylor, how to use that PNP paper. Um, so I use that a lot in my work, and it's this process, P&P paper, it's press and peel, um, but you can buy it from a website, and it's what hobbyists use to etch circuit boards, um, but you're able to create a file um, and be very detailed with it, and so I do a lot of my etchings that way, and I know Sterling wasn't familiar with it as far as for etching techniques for herself, um, so I use it as a metalsmith to for that purpose, to have the metal where that was the same process that she had mentioned briefly um, before that I went and taught for, or just did a workshop for, for the, um, what was it? The Chicago Printers Guild. Yes. Sorry. My bad. Okay. Um, So yeah, so that was the same process that I showed. And I know Taylor's now interested or familiar with it too, from just demoing it for him at Columbia. Um, So yeah, so so as a metalsmith, we do a lot of etching as well. One of the things that's been really great about working with both Sterling and Mego is that um, unlike, I, I don't know if you guys have ever worked in these, uh, uh, Mego, you in particular may have been in these environments where the sort of older generation don't want to give their secrets to the younger generation. <laughs> you know, where it's like, I, I've definitely worked at a number of shops where yeah. people are really concerned about you making them obsolete but with both of you guys i've just rolled into your shop areas and said oh teach me teach me and then and then then, you you know if anything you're willing to give me more than i can handle right and so it's been really fun to work together uh, because i I tend to really like that approach too where you just say if i know how to do something like you just kind of give it away and it's interesting to see what can happen through collaboration that way so yeah it looks like this was a really rich overlap for you guys super cool well, one thing that I think is also interesting in the overlap of what we do um, is that historically, uh, printmaking on paper and talio process actually came from metal smithing because they were doing these ornate uh, decorative designs in like armor and different mm-hmm. metal objects, and they would they would sort of rub these patinas into these in these different alloys, and so it, at some point in the like early 1400s, 1430s, they would um, started figuring out they could rub ink to the surface or into the grooves and wipe the surface clean. And they would, they take impressions to actually have a record of those patterns so that they could replicate wow. them. So it actually like historically ties together with yeah. what we do, That's which cool. I also find very fascinating and it kind of went its own ways, but I think it was kind of cool because I started a process, which is kind of what you'll see in a bit and then bounced it back to her. 
um, to keep going with. Right. And you'll see too, kind of more what she's talking about. But I remember once we were cleaning out her studio <laughs> and she was like, not throwing away, but recycling copper with all these awesome etchings on them. And I was like, for me, I do the etching to keep it, to make it into something. Yeah. And she's just getting like recycling all of this material where I'm like, Carl, there's all this imagery that can be used to make something. <laughs> um, so I think that was kind of like the peak of interest to like, want to like, I don't know, yeah, make, make something, something together or like just, you know, repurpose her materials with this, you know, she's done half the work of the etching for me. I'll yeah. just make something out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So, Rob, this is our classic probe where our guests bring in something so cool that we talk about, like, the first 1% of the documentation yeah. for yeah. half an hour. <laughs> but, but, but the one thing I want to point out before I urge us to move on, so, so this, is, this is a wearable object, right? Is this a brooch? Uh, no, it's a, this is actually, I don't usually do them, but this is a wall piece. It's just sitting oh, on a wall. Not okay. to throw you off, Taylor, but yeah. Well, we'll see. Every once in a while I can put my place. So so I'm looking <laughs> at the back, and the thing, the thing that I misunderstood to be a, a pin is actually just um, like for a hanging nail and then some spacers to keep yeah, it off the wall, yeah? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I'm really sort of deliciously irritated by is the way that you have that super regularity in the dots, but then oh, there's that... now you have to talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. And so, it, but it, it seems to be completely um, intentional where there's a really regular spacing of these dots, and then the arms are reaching across the long axis of the oval towards uh, this this area of disarray. And so, I was just curious to hear a little bit about that. So first, so I don't I, like to talk about wait, work. I have... <laughs> Confession to make. <laughs> Do your confession first. <laughs> this, is bad. this is really embarrassing. So, um, maybe a day or two ago, I texted her after listening to your podcast again and was like, wait, did Taylor tell us the theme was nudity or naked? And she's like, you told me naked. He told me nudity. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, I probably played so- fast and loose with that one. I don't actually remember, but it's possible you said one or the other, and I heard one or the other. Um, so I heard, whether it was what I actually heard or what I thought I heard, I heard naked. Yeah. She's and, a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of two 13-year-old boys. Um, so I heard naked. It was like, okay. Um, so that's what I told Satilli, and that's what we ran with when we started uh, brainstorming together at the bar yes uh so uh (laughs) for me when i'm making work people always ask me no one's gonna see the back why are you making stuff (laughs) so i always like to do like something hidden on the back for you know whether it's the wearer or the owner itself um that's cool i don't know they'll appreciate it yeah Um, but while i was working on this one everybody's like nobody's gonna see it but for naked, I was like, you can't leave the back naked, you know, you yeah. can't just leave it bare. There has to be something. Um, yeah. But actually, where the regular dots are, um, that's actually Braille for naked. Oh. Um, so uh. that's what that is. So it starts like the Braille would be capital N and then it goes into, you know, N A um, K E D. Um, but yeah, right. so, and I usually, in my work itself, when I'm creating sculptures or whatever, I do a lot of circles. Um, and it's when I was talking to Sterling, she had said something, you know, um, I did an oval for this piece cause I'm trying to, it's still, you know, round, but, uh, break away from the circles. But she said, no, she's interested in trying to incorporate circles more. Um, so yeah. I had the circle pattern on the back and just wanted to hide that little naked braille, um, within the dot pattern. Wow. Yeah, super really awesome. Cool. Yeah. I, I have Isn't a question it? about the blue stuff, but to Taylor's point, we should probably keep going and check out the process folder and some other you want to ask it you can probably ask going? questions yeah like as the process photos probably have some more of the blue like detail shots of the blue okay. stuff if cool. you ask it as we go great. yeah yeah cool sounds good this was good this was a good like get the fire Wait, under so our tail to collaborate process photo i feel like yeah oh, the yeah. square plate with the arm we up to number seven and then we should look at the other stuff what do you think i'm good with whatever I've I've already gone beyond number seven. I can't yeah, help can, myself. I can, I can click. I'm at seven, but we could click. I'm on. I'm on. I'm on seventeen. I'm too excited. Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> My understanding of it is that 
you know, we have a more conventionally produced copper. So, guys, that is copper, right, that the arms are made out of? Yes. Originally, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that Sotilli turned me on to was, yeah, and did you darken it using gun blue or something else? Um, liver sulfur. Okay, yeah, so, so these the patinas in this territory I'm not as familiar with, but it, there's definitely some surprising colors, right, Rob? You can turn these familiar metals. Um, but, yeah, so it starts out as copper, and then they have some really great... Um, it looks like originally the um, the origin imagery was sort of photoshopped together and then perhaps re-illustrated. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and then also, so Tilly, is that just your bench in your house? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the uh, back room. Which number are you? So great. I mean, uh, I'm looking at number three, and uh, I just I love the fact that she has an anvil in her apartment. Yeah, that's a I great studio yeah. setup right there. Settle torch. <laughs> Don't talk about the torch next to the radiator. <laughs> oh yeah, it will be. Uh, no problem. Lips are sealed. Not yeah. a fire hazard. <laughs> yeah. Is that a jeweler's yeah. anvil? Is that what that's called? That anvil. Right? Um, it's actually a small farrier anvil. Yeah, it's way okay. cheap. Yeah. So. Cool. What does the farrier term stand for? I'm unfamiliar with it. Uh, for horseshoeing. Horses. Yeah. Yeah, so there's actual Uh-oh. little, you can't see it because the towel's over, but there's round knobs where they would curve the, the ends of the horseshoes over. So uh, that's what that anvil's for. Cool. Right on. Yeah, that's a cool uh, thing Yeah, and then I'm seeing, uh, my guess is that, I've, I've also wondered what that thing's called too. So the um, if you look at number four and five, there's that sort of wooden anvil that you use to hold an object while you're cutting through it with... Um, a jeweler's saw. What, what is that device referred to as? So it, it's called a, a bench pin, or some people refer to it as a V-block. Um, but when you're uh, using yes. your jeweler saw, you have that negative space for your saw blade to, uh, you mm-hmm. know, feed through, so you're not cutting into your table or anything like that. Okay, so it's like a super wide clearance. Uh, the bench pin's maybe three and a half inches wide. Okay, yeah. yeah. If you look at first six, you can kind of see the saw blade going through the metal. Yeah, unlike sort of a, a bandsaw, which I think is being like not much clearance on either side of the blade. Right. Right. That's cool. Is that because jewelry is typically curved or something, and so you would want that clearance, or is it just like a... Well, you're maneuvering uh, it around. Yeah, and honestly, like, this is... Bench pins have all kind of all different sizes of Vs or grooves. This is just a custom one that I had made out of a little block of wood. So oh, cool. Cool. yeah, it depends on who's you're looking at, you know, yeah. how wide the V is or how many Vs there are, if there's grooves in the benches. And Rob, if you take a look at a nine and 10, uh, this starts to get into yeah. where the P and P and P is uh, press and peel paper. And have you used that stuff when manufacturing circuit boards before? myself no not for circuit boards um i just know that's what it's created for um it's just for hobbyists to be able to etch those circuit boards mm-hmm. um but well, rob's a circuit board guy so rob oh, have you wow. encountered that material before yeah i haven't i've only ever used i've done the style where you use a transparency like you print okay. and then yeah. you uh coat your plate uh with photoresists like yeah, so it, it's pretty much a cheaper alternative, but I That's believe cool. if I yeah. remember correctly, you're able to get a little bit more detailed with the press in people from when I've taken workshops um, on one versus the other. These process photos are so cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're really good. Yeah. Eleven shows like a the, the plate and then this like tub of yes. solution. And so that's actually what we use in printmaking as well. It's That is uh, ferric chloride. Okay. Um, and I am not a chemist, so I'm not going to even pretend to get nerdy here. But that's also what we use in printmaking to etch copper. Um, but you can use it, as I learned from her, on um, nickel and brass, and brass as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it's what we use to etch uh, plates to print from. And so we have, you know, we have baths that um, it's not actually an acid. It's just like a corrosive solution, so it's less toxic. It doesn't release a gas, so it's considered much more safe and stable. Um, and so uh, so that's what she ended up using to etch that plate. It's also what I used to etch the drawing initially. So I jumped ahead, and I see a McCormick spice jar that says alum on the outside. And the- so we can 
talk about that now or later because kind of at the end when you guys asked for like nerdy bits of information that was kind of Ooh, why i made her oh. take a photo of that so oh. i don't know if you want that now or later we can nerd out now right we're here yeah um i don't work with nickel a whole lot but um as far as just wanting certain colors it's much it's a much cheaper alternative than silver um but i still get you know kind of that grayish tone in my metal but it's very hard to work with um the hardest dot of copper brass and copper and brass um but so whenever i drill through it i'm using a very tiny drill bit um or a saw blade but if a drill bit gets stuck in there um most people would think that they're screwed or whatever. You can't get it out. But if you use alum, which is just a cooking spice, um, you just put it in either a pot or a pan of water. Um, and it works quicker if it's boiling. Um, but the alum will actually eat away at ferrous metal, so your steel materials. Okay. Um, so if my oh. drill bits are in there, it'll actually – and it's broken and there's not enough tab for me to be able to get it out. It'll eat out that drill bit, but it won't affect my non-ferrous metal. So whether that's copper, brass, nickel, silver, gold. Um, so it won't affect that, but I'll be able to get my drill bit out to finish drilling that hole without affecting um, my plate or my piece that I wow. have going. Have you watched Breaking Bad? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> was that what this picture looks like though right now my old crusty stove <laughs> no, there, no there's just there's there's all these sort of um at least in the first couple of seasons they're all about the chemistry and yeah getting it right and getting it wrong and so forth you're also like your, your notes what feel like to one another and stuff are really really cool so yeah for sure Wow, you guys did so much work man it just it yeah. looks so good it's really cool so and it's, it is really neat to and in one way, like understand the drawing in two different ways, like understand mm-hmm. it as a printed object and then, and then understand the drawing as not a drawing, but also as a sculpture, you know, it's like a sculptural object. So it's, yeah, it's a really nice, it seems like a really rich place to be thinking about ideas and trading back and forth and stuff. It's cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so sort of playing around with the idea of like nudity naked, um, like originally I did the blind embossing. So this idea of like just printing it naked just kind of a literal translation in terms of the technical aspect of wanting to just like go naked with it nude uh-huh. and not use ink. Right. Um, yeah. But I still couldn't resist wanting to see what it looked like in different um, variations with ink. But printmaker is definitely like the whole point of it is to be able to repeat something exactly the same to create an addition yeah. um, of multiples. Mm-hmm. But there is not a single one. I just kept changing it up every time to see what would be more interesting in terms of composition and placement um, and inking things up. So not a single one of those is, is the same. My contribution is going to be a bit of a right turn. <laughs> uh, but do you guys, uh, do you guys want to have any more, make any more comments before we move on to the last? Uh... No, I want to see this video. Do it. Yep. Exactly. So, so, So let's all play this at the same time, guys. Yeah. When um when the audience hears it, they will they will hear things. So you can comment over the top of it if you want. So should we all hit play? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm ready. Three, three, two, one. Do it. take a swing on describing what we saw. I don't know what that Italian word is. Canuti? I don't know, but it's it's like a very dramatic uh, dramatic music, but dr- dramatically slow-mo, sensual uh, mm-hmm. making of 
pasta. Uh, yeah. Pouring. Yeah. Do you guys pouring, recognize pouring. the song? Is this food porn right it's now? Like Isaac, it's an Isaac Hayes song, right? Close, man. It's um. It's oh wait, who's the who's the other dude with the super deep voice? Yes. Love's theme. It is very white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's called nudie, G N U D I, and then what we it, that's like white text on a black background, and then it cuts to sensual slow mo olive oil being poured yeah. over <laughs> what looks to be gnocchi or ravioli or something, and then we see yeah. like slow mo close up sensual parmesan, <laughs> and then it cuts to. Yeah, is that gnocchi that's being handmade? I, I was very proud of that transition, by the way. The the dive into the into yeah. the stock pot with the with the piano flutter. Or yeah. <laughs> and then we sort of it sort of switches to like a kind of making of because now we're looking at the process yeah. of making gnocchi into the little mm-hmm. dough dough balls. Is that ravioli <laughs> or, or gnocchi? Hold on, I just got the title now. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse her for a moment while she laughs. Well, I was no, like the other night, I went to a friend. I went with a friend to an Italian restaurant. She kept, she kept saying "ganoki." I was like, yeah. "No, it's gnocchi." I, I get the title now. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Nudies, dude. <laughs> so I have to give props to uh, my wife, Audrey, who the, the second she heard the nudie challenge, she was like, oh, you should just make nudie pasta. So this is like a, a specific kind of pasta called nudie. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, and so could you describe what that pasta, how, how it's, like what it is? Because it has a sort of half ravioli, half gnocchi kind of vibe going on. Yeah, so I think the idea is that the filling is mixed in with the wrapper. So you don't have, there's no separation uh-huh. between the inside and the outside of the pasta. Um, so you take um, ricotta cheese and Parmesan and flour and then mix it with eggs. And, uh, geez, that was really about it. I mean, it's it, it was really simple. So I just dropped by the grocery store and made this pasta while my kid was complaining and then, um, uh, yeah, it was great. And it, I feel like I, I don't take the time to make pasta that often, especially as a parent where I'm normally just eating the crap that my kid doesn't eat. And so, uh, That's so pretty she, much parenthood. Oh, that? yeah. So she, she, she had to be bribed with not one but two um, cream puffs to eat this, <laughs> this, ho- this horrible thing that I had made. But I, I thought it tasted pretty good. And then um, I was thinking about, I used to teach a bunch of intro film classes at DePaul, and I can't remember the dude's name, but this guy made this great, they had to do this project called, um, where you had to make something dramatic uh, out of something that was inherently undramatic. So it was basically, you know, kids always wanted to do like suicide, drug use, and murder. (laughs) Like, Like they always wanted to go for things that were inherently dramatic. So I said, so none of that stuff. And then at the time, the rule was no Radiohead, but that would probably need to be updated. <laughs> or no, no, that one song from The Matrix. I don't know if, oh, if yeah. the credits. But the um, yeah. So this was like, so this one guy had made this great thing about getting a one of those huge burritos from Chipotle, and then there was Barry White, and he like dropped it on the table, and then slow mode in black and white, so it had this you know really like luxurious splat and then kind of sagged over to the side. It just it, was, <laughs> it worked out really well. So I, I was thinking about that guy while I was doing it. So I listened to it with the music on and then I was like, I'm going to listen to it with the music off and it's still ingrained in my head as like a sensual video. And I was curious, Taylor, if you uh, had perspective on what makes it that. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think slow-mo is a big part of it uh-huh. um, where because we're really familiar with that visual vocabulary. So when you slow something down enough, you're really just stretching out individual frames. And so we're used to that kind of like choppy slow-mo. It's just one of those things that tells us we're in the bedroom or, you know, it's just, it's, uh-huh. it's just used, used so frequently it comes to mean that. Mm. 
And I, I think the close-ups also kind of decontextualize things a little bit. So, you know, if you have, like, and a lot of it's fluid-based. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's, like, you know, this, like, big kind of phallic olive oil container that's uh, spurting on the nudies and then, um, <laughs> you know, fingers and, and steam and dough and egg yolks and things like that. I don't think, I don't know if the pepper, I guess yeah, the pepper is not, not really. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of organic material, right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I thought it'd be, I mean, I was trying to think about, cause the, you know, the making of it and the eating it is not super, uh, I mean, it doesn't really feel like a product to you guys because you aren't here with me. So I was just trying to come up with a way through documentation to make, you know, like, like it was a super direct, here's a pasta called Naked. I made the pasta. And so I, I kind of wanted it like a second act that felt like, a, I guess in some ways the documentation is more of the product in this case. Yeah, that's cool. We will post the video on the website so people can see it. For sure, until yeah. until iTunes yanks us down, yeah. <laughs> 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 well we did it yeah we made it we've we have reached the point in the podcast where our our two guests named megan will will tell us what the next challenge is uh well for me um this is my first time collaborating with anybody i'd never done it before Whoa. um huh? so it was a definitely a challenge for me mm-hmm. so we were kind of Wait, talking why, why? was it was scary <laughs> You want me to backpedal now? We're going to say the next Wait, challenge. I don't know. Why was it scary? Why? Because yeah. uh, I have to share ideas. And <laughs> just do whatever you want. Let you look at my sketchbook and be exposed. Vulnerable? <laughs> yeah. Naked? Yeah. <laughs> That's how that was naked for me. Yeah. Um, Good callback, Sterling. Good yeah. callback. Um, I totally anyways. also agree with you. Yeah, I've just never had to collaborate in, like, before her and I became really good friends, like, I definitely had an art crush on her and her, like, craftsmanship of whatever she was doing. I don't really understand the whole printmaking world, but I can't get away from printmakers for some reason. Um, So when she had mentioned wanting to collaborate, I was excited, but at the same time nervous and felt very vulnerable um because i'm definitely the type of person that just likes to show a finished piece versus uh process and like have to communicate about something um so it was definitely a challenge for me to do this um so kind of segueing from that um as as educators of sorts sorry rob uh i'm just kidding um we were kind of talking about this idea of of collaboration, but not just being like, hey, uh, your next guest should collaborate on something, because that's kind of open-ended. But uh, more interesting, too, because Meg- Mego has this, this background in art education. So we thought it might be interesting that whatever it is, the person next week, I don't, I don't know if we need to actually put a theme on it, but this idea that they have to kind of skill share or, like, teach a skill to a mm. person who... I don't know how specific to be that definitely doesn't work in the same area or field um, and teach a new craft or skill um, to someone. And then they, from that education have to make something. Uh, I can dig it. So this idea that that whoever the next guest is, has to find someone who does not share um, the same field or expertise mm-hmm. uh-huh. of sorts. Uh-huh. I, could, I guess it's pretty open-ended in, in the, the guests that you have. Um, so it has to be sort of a differing uh, field or expertise that they teach something to another person. Um, and then that person, like through their education of that, has to make something. So mm-hmm. like the next guest would, I'm fun. If I remember correctly from what we spoke about, like share what their person made, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not so much that they're making, it's, you know, showing what they taught to another person and presenting what their person had made. Wow. So it could be teaching them to to cook nudies or or to make a thing or to code something or I don't don't know. Yeah, that's Um, cool. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's fun. (laughs) Oh, I don't have to make, I don't have to make something I do have to teach something. That's harder. No, but I don't know if you could do it like an hour before. Maybe you could. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. oh, I'm planning on it. Yeah, I'm no, I, 
I start worrying immediately, and then and then a week goes by, and I wonder what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what happened. Now. I'm sure y'all can relate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the time goes. Oh, by I did quick. this in three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have been trying to learn Fusion 360. Fusion 360 mm-hmm. is a 3D uh, uh, okay. like a CAD. Yes, exactly. CAD-like software application. And I will say that through various um, people I interact with and stuff, on an almost daily basis, I hear someone else saying, I would like to learn Fusion 360. And I would like to tell people that my dear co-host, Taylor Cohokinson, mm-hmm. has made a really great <laughs> <laughs> tutorial on lynda.com called Fusion 360 Basics. That is super killer and really great, and I learned a ton. And so I would nice. like to give a shout-out to Taylor Hokinson, who is my co-host, who has made this thing that many people that I know in my life would benefit from. And they should go check you, it out. If you haven't heard enough of my voice, that's right. you could do <laughs> two more hours. And you, get, and you get Taylor's Linda voice, which is like a whole other thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> McMaster Cohen, this is Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then the second thing okay. I'm into is Taylor Hokinson, the person. Because <laughs> Come on now. No, I'm blushing over here. Because we made it a year together oh, successfully. Nice. Yeah, through through every two weeks doing a thing and trying to find a guest or guests who, who would come along for the ride for us. So shout out to Taylor for As long as we got each other. Yeah. Oh, Oh, I've got one. I've got one from today. Uh, so I've been working with the Megan's Twain on developing out some um, workflow around. I've talked about it on the podcast a couple times about doing CNC manipulations to get a um, copper plate into the etching process. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's involved uh, currently in the workflow. I was having this problem where I was um, double-sided taping these things down to the CNC bed. And then when I would pull them up, I'd use a palette knife and kind of bend the plate and cause printing problems down the line. Mm. Uh, so today I found that you could take the, um, you know, if you are in a ceramics class and they have like a, like a secret agent garret that you'd use for strangling somebody, but it's used for cutting up clay, right? Yes. It's like a wire. A cutting wire? Yeah. A cutting yeah, wire? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some, some holes on each side, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can take that and you can work it under the plate, oh. and then it lets you know all the double-sided ah. tape lets go. And so that was my uh, my big discovery today. So that's, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the things Satili dropped were this amazing alum. Well, alum and the PNP paper yep. yeah and the, yep. the uh, enameling decal paper she's got all kinds of yeah this was definitely a lot of experimentation for me for this uh challenge this week i didn't yeah. do anything fancy but rob's thing made me think of i'm gonna probably regret this and i'm gonna have to get this link to you um but anybody who kind of wants to see this dirty printmaking thing so when i first started at columbia i was a part-time tech um you like probably about Three years ago, we had to make some podcast videos um, explaining the process. And there's one that Ooh. I did of uh, the Aquatint process for Intellio. Um, so I will, uh, I will find that link and share it. Um, it's real awkward having to watch myself on video, but I won't have to watch it. Everybody else does. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aquatint is a great mix of... Uh, it's. Like, there's no way to really make that any more contemporary. It's like, anyway, you, you'll see. It's I, I yeah. really enjoyed learning about it because it's as far from the computer as you can get. It's very basic. So anybody who's a printmaker will kind of roll their eyes. But but anybody who's sort of curious about the process is sort of explains it. You can find photos of our finished projects at our project site called projects.opposablepodcast.com. We also have links in the show notes and we'll be posting a project and other related stuff to our Instagram account. You should definitely go to our site this episode because there are so many cool process photos that we have that we are going to share for this episode, and they're really great. Um, they really, really, really deserve uh, your eyeballs. Um, we'd like to send you an opposable thumb sticker if you share a podcast episode on social media. Uh, rate us on iTunes or send smoke signals or some other thing to let people know about the podcast. We'll send you a sticker. Our uh, Neon Thumb Wrestlers logo was created by the Mighty Wolf Mask. You can check out his work at wolfmaskart.co.uk. 
We'd like to give Nick Kantar and Adam Vanessen a shout-out as our top Patreon supporters. Thank you, Nick and Adam. If you'd like to join them in the League of Patreon Supporter Badasses, please go to patreon.com slash thumbs to sponsor us. Uh, our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. You can check out the full code of conduct over at our site. Thank you to our guests, Sterling and Mego. Y'all are awesome. Uh, totally stunning work. Super awesome to see your process. And like, I'm totally obsessed now, but with all the stuff that y'all do, and I'm going to set my kitchen on fire trying to do it. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, do y'all have any things coming up or websites that you want to share with the audience or anything like that? Uh, so there's www.megansterling.com. And there's www. Wait, M-E-G-A-N-S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G. <laughs> and, then, and then there's com, which, which is, is M-E-G-H-A-N-N-S-O-T-T-I-L-E. Cool. Oh, that's got a good onomatopoeia. At least for, well, both of us teach it um, on art like centers. evenings, weekends, or art centers. I'm yeah. part of this really great space called the Chicago Printmakers Collaborative. I teach screen printing classes there on the weekends. And it's a really great locally owned, woman owned business. So shout out to Deborah Later, who's been running that place for 28 years. Happy Women's Day. The Chicago Institution. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's a gallery. They support uh, local and international artists and uh, show their work, sell their work, and teach people how to make things. So um, that's a really cool space in Lincoln Square to check out. And, uh, and, and in the next neighborhood over in Ravenswood, I teach at Little Street Art Center. Yeah. Um, I teach uh, first-time metalsmithing classes as well as uh, advanced like box making or filigree class. Um, but they have tons of different art classes there. Um, but yeah. <laughs> wow! Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, y'all, y'all brought the heat. You guys rocked it. So, stranger skill sir is our next challenge. A note to ourselves and to our audience: if you would like to teach a person a skill and see if they'll make something and share it with us, please hit us up on our Instagram account, which is Opposable Podcast. Okay. 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 Ready? Three, two, one. It, it, it totally sounds like it's off, but it actually works for Rut, so don't sweat it. It was like crazy echo. <laughs> no, that that was just uh, so tilly tally getting getting crazy on her end. Oh.